The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. From MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. And ladies and gentlemen, UFC 281 has come and gone. And what a freaking show it was. Drama, talking points. New champions, incredible fights, stocks rising, stocks falling, happy moments, sad moments. It had it all. And we are here to recap some of those moments, look at some of those storylines, and also take a look at a very busy weekend ahead with the UFC back at the Apex on Saturday. Bellator putting out a big show tomorrow in Chicago with two title fights. It's fun to be a fan right now. But let's get into things. Let us introduce the panel first. The undefeated exhibition player, the co-host of No Bets Barred, a man and voice featured on many a program here on the MMA Fighting Podcast and show networks, Mr. No Gray Area, Mr. All-In, Mr. Jed Mishu. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Mike. We're going to have a lot of new champions. We've got the two in the UFC. We're about to get two in Bellator. Some one shenanigans going down. Just a whole host of new champions in the month of November, apparently. And back on the show, our boots on the ground in New York. And what an insane week it was for him. Now we get to hear from him following UFC 281 from MMAfighting.com. Mr. Jose Youngs, welcome back, sir. Hey, I had dinner with our good friend, Phoenix Carnival, and she told me how to beat Jed. Well, first I said, how do you beat Jed? And she said, you're not, you don't know. And I said, no, I go, everyone just kind of simultaneously agreed to do one big collective make a wish kind of thing to let him win over and over and over. And I was like, well, I just assumed that now that you say it out loud, it makes much more sense. So here we are. Well, 
some fire right off the bat. Jed, your response? That's solid. Fire. Good work, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> can't, can't even now, knock him. Good effort. It was a good effort. But um, before we get into UFC 281 and this weekend and the actual game itself, I would be remiss if we didn't begin the show by remembering the late mm. Anthony Rumble Johnson, two-time UFC title challenger who passed away on Sunday at the age of 38. And for me, I, you know, I'm sitting at the airport on Sunday, jumped on Twitter, having something to eat, watching some football. And I started seeing some of the posts about it and then ended up confirming it. And I got to say, it was like a punch straight to the stomach. And it, it was very public. He was going through some health issues some very tough ones, but to see it lead to that, it, it was a shocker to say the least. So Jed, I wanted to begin with you. What was your reaction to finding out the news and, and what will you remember most about the man known as Rumble? It was very surprising. Um, you, you knew there was something going on just because of how the whole Bellator situation had played out, but you didn't know what, and it, it, it never really occurred to me that it was this serious. So the fact that he passed is just came out of nowhere. Um, as far as what I'll remember, uh, the first thing I always think of when you mention Anthony Johnson is Tommy Spear, uh, and that's how I'll always remember him. R.I.P. Tommy Spear, who's also left in the center of that cage somewhere in the Midwest or wherever that fight night was. Jose, to, to find out this news after an emotional UFC 281 fight night and fight week, you were there for all of it. To hear about this on Sunday, man, just just tough to digest. What, what was your reaction, and what will you remember? Uh, man, I'm really glad this. Well, not glad it happens, but I'm the timing of the news. I thought I wish it didn't happen. How do I phrase this? I'm happy that we didn't get the news during fight week. Um, it would have kind of cast a big dark shadow over everything. I feel like I. I've interviewed Anthony Johnson a lot and I feel like he wouldn't want that. If that makes sense, like he wouldn't want the story to just be about him and to take away from all the fighters. So in that sense, I'm, um, I'm sad. Anthony Johnson is, is gone. Uh, it caught me off guard, but then we all kind of like Jed said, we all knew what, like there was something going on behind the scenes. Uh, so the timing of it was jarring. I was also in the airport, but I'm, I know Anthony wouldn't have wanted uh everyone to be talking about him during a really big fight week. Um, and what I would remember from him is Ivan, like I was at his first fight back at into the UFC after his world series of fighting and his regional circuit run, when he jumps back up to light heavyweight to fight Phil Davis. And uh, that whole fight week, that whole media day and everything, Phil Davis kept talking about how he was just going to beat Anthony Johnson and go fight John Jones. He even tried to face off with John Jones and Anthony Johnson was just like, okay, neat i'm gonna go beat this dude up and then he did and he won uh and then from there he just hit the ground running and uh, you know melted uh lil nog melted alexander gustafson he kind of had like everyone talks about france and gano having this freakish power but anthony johnson had that deontay wilder power for a long time uh yeah it's it's also now like I was watching a lot of his replays back like when I was on the plane like, waiting to catch my plane and it's crazy that at one point in time Frankie Edgar and Anthony Johnson were one weight class apart. That's just baffling to me. So, yeah, Anthony Johnson will be missed. 
Yeah, just a ferocious competitor, so scary and powerful in the cage. Very positive presence. Yeah, holy Frankie cow. versus Anthony Johnson, hell of a fight. <laughs> yeah. Just, um, you know, like I said, just a positive presence outside of the cage. And I, I didn't get to talk to him a ton, but he was always great to me. Only had a chance to speak with him maybe a few times. I, I was in scenic Uncasville, Connecticut for what ended up being the final fight of his MMA career against Jose Augusto for Bellator. Tough start after his long layoff ended up putting Jose Augusto away and he spent the entire post-fight interview apologizing to the fans and said it was the worst performance of his career said he never felt more disgusted with any performance win or loss and he just spent that whole scrum just apologizing and promising that he would come back better and he was about to go fight for the title in his next fight against Vadim Nemkov as part of that Grand Prix and I just remember hearing him talk like that, even after the long layoff, didn't use that as an excuse at all. And then we just never got the chance to see him compete again. And man, it's just tough. And you look back on the Daniel Cormier fights and at one point him and John Jones had that memorable face off fooling Dana White. And you just think if he fought anybody else, but DC in that spot, maybe we, we wouldn't be talking about him as a two time title challenger. We'd be talking about him as a former champion and kind of building on to the point that Jose said, the fact that he ever made 170 pounds, let alone mm. as many times as he did, just just unbelievable. But very sad news. Rest in peace, Rumble. Our condolences go out to yeah. his family, close friends, training partners, and everybody else. There was a point, Casey, remember when we had to, I know Casey's behind the scenes right now, but we went and covered the Dominance MMA Media Day in LA once at Tyson's Ranch. And that was when Anthony was getting ready to come back. And he's like, who's the scariest heavyweight in the UFC? And everyone was like, Francis gone. He's like, all right, I'll fight him. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, this man is a psycho. <laughs> what a freaking fight that would have been. But uh, oh, pretty before, hard to before, try. Before we move on, I just want to drop my uh, Anthony Johnson story. Um, sure. When I was working for World Series of Fighting, um, I actually was sent out to Florida to do a piece on Anthony Johnson, who was fighting Andre, was it Andre Lasky? I think Andre Lasky at the time. And um, I, I want to, I just want to say, like, honestly, I, I kind of had mixed emotions by Anthony Johnson because I just, he, he was a complicated human, you know, it was it, more than just a fighter, you know, but I'm not here to talk about that. But, but when I met him, he was super professional. He let us shoot whatever. And then, most importantly, with the funnest part, he took us to this little, um, I don't know, this motorcycle garage. And he just showed us all, all these cool motorcycles, and he had all these dogs there, and his just his love for dogs and everything. So I was like, "Oh, Anthony Johnson loves his dog." So, um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was really nice meeting him and kind of hanging out with him for a few hours. You know, not doing the you know you know how you go win this fight type. Just you know, just shooting the shit with him. So, uh, yeah, he was a cool dude and super nice. And um, and uh, it was just nice. I got to meet a lot of his friends and people outside of the fight world. So it's, it's a, it was a, a great opportunity, great honor to kind of be out there and kind of just see the real Anthony Johnson beyond just the punching people part. So that's all. Well, he so would beat John Jones, too. That. Oh, he yeah, yeah. I, I, I would have totally picked yeah. him over John Jones, yeah, matchup-wise. But, um, yeah. Every time the man got poked in the eyes, he did something incredibly violent afterwards. John's just boned. Like, he's screwed. His best weapon. No longer an option. Just powers rumble up. 
just one of those fights we never got to see. There's probably a, a list of those, but uh, RIP Rumble, just really sad news. And it's, it's, it's very difficult to transition from starting the show like that, but we have a show to do. Let's get into the aftermath of UFC 281 because Alex Pereira does it again. He defeats Israel Adesanya. He becomes the middleweight champion of the world. He's now 3-0 against Adesanya in the combat sports world. He was down on the cards heading into the fifth. I feel like that's a story and a narrative we've talked about a lot this year. Needed a finish, and he goes out there and gets it done. So, Jose, you're in, you were in the building for the whole thing. Your reaction to Pereira's comeback win, now adding another fascinating chapter to this already compelling story between these two fighters, and your thoughts on the stoppage itself. I didn't have a problem with the stoppage. Uh, I know a lot of people complain are complaining about it. Uh, I get what you're saying is like you know people want to go out on their shield i've been knocked out in an amateur fight to the point where i have no recollection of the fight it's not great <laughs> it is not great losing an entire day of your life that you will never ever get back so uh all of this go out on your shield talk from fans or media members that's very silly getting knocked out unconscious is never a good thing um, and one aspect of the knockout that I don't think a lot of people are talking about, like I haven't seen anyone talk about, is if you watch that uppercut, everyone's talking about the uppercut to the jaw. Look at where Israel Adesanya's head went. He was right up against the fence at, on the bar that runs vertical or horizontal, and his head literally clangs off the bar. The back of his head. His head was dribbled against basically a metal pole with like a couple inches of padding. That'll not that'll rock you anytime. And that's been the big argument. I've seen like the best argument for soccer kicks being disallowed in the UFC. Because if your head is against the cage and you get soccer kicked and your head has nowhere to go, you're probably dying. Um, so Israel Adesanya's head got dribbled off a metal pole after getting punched in the jaw and I get what he's saying because it's him saying it. He, you know, he was fine, but he also says, I don't blame him. Uh, Eugene Behrman seems to have, he said, Eugene talked to him backstage and he, he, he kind of calmed him down. Eugene does. Eugene Behrman has literally seen fighters die in the cage. So he doesn't want his, his fighters to go out like that. So I'm going to let him, if, if Eugene Behrman, the head coach, doesn't have any massive complaints about it. I don't think anyone should. Uh, Israel Asanya might might be a little disappointed because of how the Kelvin Gastelum fight went. I get that too. Me personally, Jose Youngs, I had no problem with the stoppage. Israel Asanya has seemed to move on already. After today, I would have. I'm probably. I'm over it. I've moved on after that day because it's in the past. Not the case with most media members and fans and so on and so forth. I know Matt Brown did just an interview with their own David Martin saying fighters want to go out on their shields. I get it. I don't want to see it. I have no problem with the stoppage. Yeah, to, to me, the body language told everything. That just was enough for me. And Adesanya might have been kind of playing, uh, using it as a defensive mechanism. At least that's what he says. He's waiting for Pereira to sort of gas himself out. But I didn't have a real issue with the stoppage. But Jed, how do you feel about it all five days later? Just the win, the finish, the story, and your thoughts on the stoppage. No issue with the stoppage. I actually think that stoppage is better than I first gave it credit for. I think it's pretty close to exactly spot on. Uh, yeah, I know fighters want to go out on their shield. I don't really care what fighters want because that's not that that's that's the point of not allowing fighters to dictate things like this. 
because fighters will die in the cage because they're crazy people. And the entire point is to not let them do that. That's why corners should tell fight should stop fights when a fighter can't win and is taking too much damage. That's why Mark Goddard should have stepped in here. The Gaslam fight, which Izzy brought up uh, after rewatching it, that's an awful stop, awful non-stoppage by Goddard. Actually, and I know Izzy once came back and was like, "Well, you know, you let that go on. Two wrongs don't make a right." That fight, one thousand percent, should have been stopped. If you go rewatch it, the fact that Gaslam makes it to the end does not mean that he should not have been finished. Goddard shouldn't have jumped in and saved him like three or four different times during that final barrage. Uh, I. I don't want to call Izzy a liar because I don't think that that's necessarily the right term. I think he is maybe painting this picture in a, a more favorable light to himself because everybody does this. Everybody doesn't. It, it's tough to be entirely open and self-aware about things and you can handle something well by, but still feel like, oh, well, I had something here. I don't, if you go back and watch that finish, it it is generous to say that Izzy is is trying to gas him out. You can say that Izzy is trying to not die, like he is trying to survive, but his hands are close to his waist. He is not, for all he says about looking up, he's staring at the ground. Watch from any angle. At the end of that combination, he is no longer looking up to see the arms. He's just, His head's down and he's weaving. Like it's, that's not intelligent defense. And if that is your defense, the most generous interpretation of saying, sure, well, you did a dumb thing and you got a dumb prize. Play stupid games, get stupid prizes. Do do real defense. Don't don't do whatever that was. So I think that's why he can't really be that upset by it because deep down he knows that that's – maybe he could have survived if the fight goes on. I'm not saying that he was about to get iced, but I, that there's no no issue with that stoppage whatsoever if you if you just watch it a bunch. It's, it's fine. Um, as far as the fight goes – it was it was a great fight, uh, and it it's weird because I didn't have the balls to pick Pajera beforehand, and yet that fight played out sort of exactly like I thought it could because Izzy just like refuses to acknowledge that sometime accepting more short term risk is in fact less dangerous than spending twenty five minutes fighting that man, and he said it when he went on an aerial show this week. He was like, you know, I. I had him hurt at the end of the first round. If I had, you know, five more seconds, I would have finished him. Absolutely true. No, don't disagree with that at all. But I didn't come out and charge him in the second round. And, you know, Eugene told me he won the second round because I'm not going to press and open myself up to damage. I'm going to let the knockout present itself. Well, it didn't. The knockout didn't present itself. In fact, you got knocked out because you didn't press the advantage when you had it. He is the second greatest middleweight of all time, one of the 15 to 10 best fighters of all time. But he really, it seems that he really cannot accept that sometimes you just got to throw yourself into the fire and trust that you can pull yourself out of it. And this feels really dumb for me, Jed Mishu, not professional fighter, to be lecturing Israel Adesanya, one of the 15 best fighters of all time. But it's his words, like, I'm just going to let the knockout present itself. Well, it did. It presented itself for Alex Bejeda, who just came forward and said, F it. I'm going to get in your grill and we're going to see what happens this final five. Sometimes that's how you have to fight. And that is less risky than saying, I'm going to try and be perfect for 25. It's so, so tough. And despite the fact that he's now fought this man three times, Izzy can't seem to get past that. He believes that he can fight perfectly and do it. And he can, 
But if they when they inevitably fight a fourth time, I'm going to pick pick Pajeda because I know that when when the chips are down, he is going to throttle up and try and do something about it. And I don't know that Izzy is going to be able to stop it again because he just seems impossible to do that. Now, Jed, you are a man who on many a show on the podcast network, you have shared that you are not a fan of immediate rematches. You you accept them, but you're not a huge fan of them. And we've had a year where, like I said earlier, these title fights have come, to, have come down to the challenger needing a finish in the fifth round, and then they go out and get it. And we saw that Glover Yeary was rebooked, at least the, the, the rematch coming up in a couple of weeks. We're going to get Kamar Usman getting, trying to get it back against Leon Edwards. Where are you at with this one? Is this a matchup you feel needs to be run back right away? Or is this a fun back pocket fight that you can go back to whenever the UFC needs it? I don't like it. Uh, I'm fine with Leon Usman because if it's, if it's the third fight of a trilogy where you've split, sure, run it back immediately. That's fine. Uh, even though overwhelmingly the way those fights play out is the person who won the second one wins the third. It's, I, I get that. In this instance, uh, he's now 0-3 against him. Uh, and granted, MMA kickboxing, not the same sports, but still – I I just have never liked it because it it feels a slightly unjust to make somebody beat a champion twice uh, when they they did the thing you should just kind of allow them to to do that it's what we're gonna get that and that's fine like it's the fight was quite good the fight was the best Izzy fight in since pre Yan you know that that initial run this is his best fight this is the most entertaining. Uh, the dynamics at play and certainly it'll be a million dollar pay-per-view when they run that back again. So I, I get why we're going to do it. I would like slightly prefer to just watch Bahetta fight, you know, Robert Whitaker or Paulo Costa, somebody else just to, just to do it. But I'm not going to hold, I, I'm not going to die on this particular hill. Jose, what do you think? I mean, look, if you're the UFC and Izzy's ready to go by like July international fight week, 2023, there's, it's a no-brainer to throw this one on the card, maybe in the main event spot. It's going to do bonkers numbers. The story writes itself, but what, what do you think? Is this one that you immediately need to see run back? Yeah, uh, I tweeted uh, like within seconds of the fight ending that run it back. Uh, also, Izzy will probably be ready to go before International Fight Week. He said that on the MMA Hour when Ariel presented like, well, what about July International Fight Week? And he's like, oh, that's way too far away. Like, I'll be ready before then. So maybe June, maybe May, depending on where they go. If this fight happened in, like, September or August, then I would imagine they would want to do the rematch as the main event of the real card. But obviously they didn't. The UFC uh, fumbled the bag with Jose Aldo fighting in Salt Lake City, Charles Oliveira fighting in Abu Dhabi, and then they probably should have booked this fight further away. So then maybe they do if, – if, if Pereira won, then they would do the, the second fight – in Rio, but I digress. That's not happening. I I don't have a problem with them running it back right away solely because all the other matchups that would make sense for like the next contender are booked. Like you got Cannonier, you got Strickland are going to fight. You got Paulo Costa versus uh, Robert Whitaker happening. And if Paulo wins, that's the last fight in his contract. Who knows if he even resigns? So uh, it seems like all the rest of the top middleweights are busy at the moment so i have no problem if they run it back with israel out of sign israel because let's not forget israel out of took this fight he didn't have to take this fight uh he's alex Pereira has the what the least amount of 
experience at MMA for a UFC champion ever, right? At maybe Bro- maybe Lesnar. Bro- Brock's the only other one. Bro- Brock's yeah. the only one that's better. Yeah. Or yeah. Bro- so, if I like, how many other champions are going to take a fight against a guy who has less than ten fights, who's like thirty pounds heavier than him? Uh, in Madison Square Garden, Izzy, I think, earns the right to, you know, get this rematch. Plus, he's not one of these champions that was angling for these super fights for so long. He's just down to fight whoever, whenever, and I think the UFC's seen that. So I have no issue with them running it back. Plus, I just think, and I would favor Izzy. Izzy was like, what, three minutes away from winning? I would honestly favor Israel Adesanya in the main event when they rematch if he doesn't get punched in the face really hard again, which is... Very hard to do against Asperana. Jed, last thing on this. The interesting thing about Pereira being champion, and you you even said that you would pick him against Adesanya in the rematch. Let's just say rematch comes along, beats Izzy again. How confident are you that we could have another long reigning champion at 185 with Pereira at the helm? Like, there's still a million questions about this guy. I've seen some media members even go as far as to say that Pereira is the worst UFC middleweight champion of all time. And I'm not ready to. That's objectively not true. (laughs) That is objectively not true. (laughs) I've seen someone tweeted that. So it's just there. I I bet I can guess who tweeted that. (laughs) Do you feel, I mean, do, do you feel confident with the questions that you have that if he beats Izzy a second time, he could be the champion for a long time? No, he can't be the champion for a long time. He can be the champion for some for a while. He's thirty five. Uh, his and he's he's got a lot of miles on him from kickboxing. Surely not MMA, but you know, there's no. He cannot be the champion for very long. He can be the champion for a few defenses because I I will pick him to beat Izzy. We we were talking about this. Maybe it was off air. Maybe it was on the ranking show. I don't remember. It might have been ranking show. Like. I think he's got a pretty good shot against Robert Whitaker if they fought. Uh, I think he has. I think he would, in fact, defeat Jared Cannonier. I'm just looking at the UFC's top five. Derek Brunson won't ever happen, but like reasonable chance to defeat Derek Brunson, who excels at at pulling defeat from the jaws of victory. I think we talked about. It. I think Marvin Vittori is the, in my opinion, the toughest fight for him in the weight class. So at the time, he's in pretty good shape as far as who he might have to fight. Again, he's 35, though, and you give it two years, he can get two, maybe three title defenses. But I just don't think that this is a long-term thing for him. That's Age is just too big of a difficulty to overcome. Jose, do you agree with that? Or do, do you think he can match what Izzy just did, potentially, with the title defenses? Hmm. We're talking about brown belt level Alex Pereira, right? <laughs> he he does technically have a brown belt. I can go buy a brown belt he, right now. Doesn't mean he, a brown he also belt. has a he has a black belt in kickboxing. Just saying, <laughs> according right. to his Wikipedia page. Right. So. I think Robert Whitaker matches up better. Like Robert Whitaker himself said it at the Perth at the on sale press conference that he thinks he matches up better with Alex than Israel. But look at the size of the fella, I think was his exact phrasing. So Robert Whitaker is a very good wrestler for the middleweight division. I think he would have a if Israel Adesanya can take you down and hold you down for a long time, then I would imagine Robert Whitaker could. 
Cannonier probably could too. Uh, but that's but those two are not the tallest middleweights. I don't think he's gonna go on a run that Israel did, but I think he's gonna find could he knock out Robert Whitaker? Could he knock out Jared Cannonier? One thousand percent. That man's fist, like if when I was there, when he was like at media day and holding, like look at the size of his hand holding the microphone. It's it's, it's comical. So if he touches you, you you could die for sure. If he punched me in the stomach, I I'm probably I could die. he could kill me by punching me in the stomach or kicking me in the stomach against a high level fighter that can mix it up. I would favor Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker, Paulo maybe. Paulo would be really interesting because Paulo fights like an absolute idiot in there but he has he has <laughs> good grappling he has paulo has very underrated grappling so if paulo actually like you know listens to a game plan which is a lot if anything can get inside that brain of his but if he listens to the game plan paulo could win robert whitaker could win cannoneer would be weird <sighs> i think i would favor israel and rob against him everyone else i would favor alex Barreta. Well, that is the main event. A lot still to get talk. to. Here's the truth. Honestly, I don't really care about the Izzy rematch. Like, it's fine. We do it, whatever. I kind of just want to see this dude a light heavyweight because he's enormous. And frankly, the fights at light heavyweight are substantially more fun. Like, if Whitaker beats him, he's just going to tackle him and tap him. Like, it's not going to be that interesting or fun. But I want to watch this dude just chuck mitts with Jan Blavich. Like, that would be fun as hell. Him and Yuri would be awesome. Let's do that. Do light heavyweight Alex Pereira is way more fun. Yeah, vacate the title and then do that. Just and immediately, be all in. immediately dump the middleweight belt just as a real thumb in the eye to Izzy. She'd be like, I don't need this. <laughs> that awesome. would be hilarious. But let us move on. The point for round one goes to... Good comeback, but Jose Youngs gets the point. It's one to nothing. That's true. true. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. 
you can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So let's put a bow on UFC 281. Let's go to Zhang Weili's title win against Carla Sparza. She's now a two-time strawweight champion. The results... Not all that surprising, mostly due to the stylistic matchup. But to Carla's credit, she fought her ass off. She had a competitive first round, and she just got out-muscled and finished in the second. So, Jed, you went all in on this fight. Your thoughts on the bouts, the performances from both women, and your excitement of the second reign of Zhang Weili because she seems like she's clicking on all cylinders right now. Carla outperformed my expectations, which isn't saying a lot. I had low expectations, certainly, and she did lose pretty dominantly in the second round. But she still looked – she competed in the first round, which was more than I kind of thought she was going to do. Uh, So good for her. Wiley won the fight that she's supposed to win. Uh, Maybe not in the manner in which she was supposed to win it, but she got the dubs. Who cares? I don't know what to make of the strawweight division. It is the – weirdest division in all of MMA. And that includes the middleweight division, which is now currently captained by a dude with seven fights or whatever. Like it is because, because she has lost twice to, to Rose who has lost twice to Carla, who has lost once to her and would certainly lose again. If they fought, you've got Jessica and Drage hanging around who like is one and one with Rose, but really probably should be two and oh against Rose and but is so super dominantly 0 and 1 against Wiley that it's tough for me to. I'm about as big a Jessica Andrade person as there is. It's tough for me to be like, she will avenge the Wiley loss because of the manner in which she was absolutely rinsed in that fight. So it's, I just don't, I don't know who the best fighter in this weight class is. It, maybe it's all of them, maybe it's none of them. Who can say? Uh, and then you, Amanda Limos is now like involved even though she also got dominated by Andrade. It's the weirdest, most... There's the most parody in this weight class of any other class, and honestly, arguably of any weight class in, like, the history of the modern UFC. Belts haven't ever changed hands this frequently. I mean, there was that run at light heavyweight where it was changing hands every stretch until John Jones came and just dominated. And it wouldn't totally shock me if maybe Wiley is just... Now she's here. She has clicked. Everything is has fallen into line, and she can win a Rose three match and and go on to defend the belts for a while. But I just have I don't know what to make of this weight class, man. What what do we do? Who's the best fighter in it? It's I know who the best five people are, and then after that, it's a crapshoot. And inside of that five, roll the dice. Any given day, somebody's going to be the best fighter in the world which is kind of fun, but it's also very different to our normal way of consumption of the sport. So it's also a little frustrating in some ways. It's very weird. Jose, 
your thoughts on Zhang's performance. And now with her taking over the helm, so to speak, as the champ, the state of the strawweight division. Uh, well, it, I picked Whaley to win. I didn't pick her to win it that way. I thought it would be more of like she just hurts Carla and then just like melts her. But Carla, to her credit, had was performing how she should have been, like lots of scrambles, shooting for the takedowns, uh, just getting Whaley kind of work. Like Whaley, I think, is a very underrated wrestler, defensive wrestler specifically for this division, uh, specifically because she's just such a freak athlete in there. So Carla was Carla's game plan was smart. Wei Li was just very prepared too, and just you know snatched up a neck in a very bizarre rear naked choke. I don't think anyone like that was a weird rear naked, weird naked choke to me. Um, so yeah, I, everyone kind of thought this was a formality that she would win. I felt really bad for Carla all fight week. Everyone was just like, "You're gonna die in there, and we're gonna boo the hell out of you in Madison Square Garden, even though you're quote unquote fighting for America," as she said. Felt very bad for. Her. I thought a lot of it was unju- un. She was unjustly hated. Uh, all fight week uh but in terms of the future of this division i think the fight that i want to see is whaley versus jessica andrade too because jessica andrade went in as the champion to whaley's backyard got clipped very early and finished and we always talk about how oh like we're like if it, it, a lot of champions that get sparked early long reigning champions that get sparked early they probably deserve a rematch. It's like we never got the Jose Aldo Conor McGregor rematch, which I think sucks. Uh, I know Jessica Andrade wasn't the long reigning champion at the time, but she's since built her way back up in that division. Unfortunately, she has a flyweight fight with Lauren Murphy on the Rio card. So if she wins in flyweight and wants to drop back down to strawweight, I'm not going to say no to Jessica Andrade. She's kind of like the BMF of the women's, of any of the women's divisions right now. She wanted to fight at featherweight at one point uh, just because she wanted to be the first woman to fight or first fighter to fight in four weight classes in the UFC or something like that. So that's the one I want to see. What will happen depends on how the Lauren Murphy plays out. I want fresh matchups. Lemos is there. I think that's next woman up. Why not? I think Whaley wants to stay active as well. So one of those two, I don't particularly want to see a Rose thrown into a title fight again. I selfishly want to see Rose versus Marina. Uh, Cause Marina has been calling for that fight for a very long time. Definitely do not want to see. I want to see Rose versus Carla three, just as badly as I want to see Ryan Bader versus Phil Davis three. It just does. It's, it's just not going to work out. Um, so yeah, one of those fights. I don't really care though. Jose, Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler, the gnarliest fight of 2022. It may not be the best fight of 2022. Oh, It'll be on the list, but it was it was pretty damn gnarly. And Poirier gets the submission in the third round. And this guy is just about this life, Jose. Dustin Poirier is about this fight life. And sure, Chandler has been a great investment for the UFC, but the future of Dustin Poirier is interesting after this fight in particular because I think he's kind of in the Max Holloway place where he's just a big star. He's over big. He doesn't need a title or to fight for a title to keep that same stature. But as people who cover the sport and who have followed Poirier all these years, we know what an incredible moment it would be for him if he did win the title before his career ends. So I guess my question after this fight is, what do we do with Dustin Poirier now? And your reaction to such a gnarly and crazy fight. Uh, Dustin Poirier is the greatest mixed martial arts fighter to never hold an undisputed UFC championship. That's just that's where I put Dustin Poirier. 
in the annals of time. That dude, like, look at his resume. Like, he called it the violence triangle. Like, the the violence triangle of Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler, Eddie Alvarez. Those are three. Uh, like, if you put a list of, like, the five to seven greatest lightweights ever, Dustin Poirier's probably fought all of them. And the only ones he's lost to are Habib, who is Habib, who many people consider the greatest lightweight of all time. Charles Oliveira, by submission, who has the most submission wins in the history of mixed martial arts in the UFC. So uh, I put if you want to argue that Dustin Poirier is the second greatest lightweight ever, I'm not going to argue. If you want to call him the greatest uh, fighter to never hold undisputed UFC gold, I will agree with you. Uh, That man, like, I, I don't know what else you could say about Dustin Poirier. He is just so impressive at everything he does. Uh, everyone was talking about that huge flurry that Chandler had and like rocking Poirier and everything in the first round. Go watch that in slow motion. Michael Chandler did not connect with a lot of punches. <laughs> Just Poirier was rolling with those, and Michael Chandler was connecting with a lot of air, and he was and Poirier was really rocked by that headbutt. So Dana White said it best. You might as well have just cut the fight of the night check right on the week before, or the second Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler signed that contract, just fill out the the fight of the night check right there uh i don't i don't hate michael chandler like jed hates michael chandler his personality don't really care for as uh our former colleague alex Savis once described it as toxic positivity i think that's a good way to put it uh but in terms of fighting i mean i'm never gonna miss a michael chandler fight that dude has never not been in a single boring fight since signing signing the ufc even bellator he had a lot of exciting fights as well so whoever they fight don't really care. I'm going to tune in. Dustin Poirier should probably fight, I don't know, Charles Oliveira again if we're not going to get the uh, the Benil Dariush fight, which makes the most sense, but I get why Dustin Poirier doesn't want to do it and who Michael Chandler fights. <sighs> I mean, I want to watch the Eddie Alvarez trilogy. Probably not going to happen. Gamrock called him out. I obviously want to see that, but if you want to run it back with any of the people he lost to in the UFC, so be it. I just hope Michael Chandler's in a five-round fight next because I want to see that man uh, do crazy things for five rounds. Jed, what do we do with Poirier? It's a really good question. Uh, I will say that Fedor is the greatest fighter to never hold a UFC title. We can just stop that there. But Poirier is not a bad guy in that top conversation. Uh, unbelievable career. Like, especially his late run has just been outlandish. He called it the violence triangle. It's just like, that's not doing a credit to all the other dudes he's fought because Max Holloway and Conor McGregor are two of the most violent dudes who have ever competed in the sport as well. And that's, that's the violence Pentagon. We could, we could get up in a little bit more if we want to add in Chucky olives. Like that's, he didn't beat Charles, but still unbelievable run. I don't know where you go. I, the only fight that makes sense. Cause he doesn't want to do Benny Darius and I get why not. Uh, and I'm fine with it. I, I think you just do, Justin Gaethje, you just run that one back. Uh, fight of the year. That's that's what he said, Poirier. Eight fight of the nights, by the way, tied for company record now. All he's looking for are the marquee names, the marquee fights that can be fight of the night, fight of the year contenders. There is nobody better to fight for a fight of the year contender than Dustin Poirier. They fought once a long time ago. I think Gaethje is a lot better, frankly, uh, at, than, than they were at that point. And as much as I hate, and I frequently say on various shows, I hate that the lightweight, like the top of the lightweight division is squatting on their rankings by just round robining each other. 
you can't make me hate Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje too. That fight is just too damn good. So if I had my druthers, that's where I'm going with him. Last thing, and I think this is an easy one, and Jed, you got to draw the long straw for this one. But you could still make cases for some other people if you like. But Jed, who is the uh, the unofficial sixth player award winner of UFC 281? Who is the low-key MVP of that event? So we're not including the top three fights, I'm assuming, in this? No, because like that's, that's not low-key. Yeah, that, that's Okay, so we're looking low-key. Let's take a gander here. Uh, I mean, I'm going to say Aaron Blanchfield, though I don't think it's the correct answer because I know people really like Hanato Mercano and his post-fight speech, but Aaron Blanchfield is going to hold a belt. So Hanato Mercano is never going to fight for a belt. Aaron Blanchfield is going to be a champion. Uh, and she absolutely rinsed Molly McCann. That fight was not close. That fight was not even in the realm of competitive and sure, I expected it, but she even exceeded my high expectations for her. This woman, either in a few years, if Shevchenko has kind of lost her fastball and still hanging around, or in less than that, and Shevchenko has just abandoned the division, this is the next champion of the flyweight division. Aaron Blanchfield, know the name because she is going to be in your lives for a decade plus. Jose, what say you? Do you agree with that or does somebody else stand out uh probably not to moicano because he's yelling for money and what do we always say is the most important thing in prize fighting money your health uh, so everyone always talks about title fights and this and that neat go make bread son so not hanato moicano who refers to himself as hanato now i'm all about it that dude was hilarious both at the press conference both in the post fight interview and all that let's let's see Called for a bunch, had one of the most exciting post-fight interviews we've had in a very long time. Most of the world didn't hear it. Love everything about that because he swore a lot. Didn't let Joe Rogan ask a question. Love it even more. Came up with a real good catchphrase to the point where people are now trying to give him a new nickname. And he had a name in mind for his next fight and a location. Checks all the boxes. Anato Moicano, love everything about it. I love this new Money Moicano gimmick, talking about himself in the third person. It's just fantastic. And he probably won't fight for a belt, but stock's rising. His stock rose tremendously. Get that paper, son. Get that money. All right, we will move on. The point for round two goes to... Jed Bashu. It's one-to-one. Let's uh, let's go ahead and turn the page. This weekend, we have, as as Jed alluded to earlier, some one craziness. They're back with a prime video event tomorrow. Some chaos on the scales, but we'll focus on the other two events right now. Bellator 288, headlined by Vadim Nemkov versus Corey Anderson 2 for the light heavyweight title. We know how the first one ended. We have Patricky Pitbull defending the lightweight title against Usman Namagamadoff. The UFC is back at the apex, headlined by Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak. We'll focus more on Bellator in this round, but Jose, if you could only watch one of these cards, which one are you picking? The Bellator one, obviously. There's two title fights and two interesting fights. Uh, the Corey Anderson, Vadim Nemkov fight. Corey Anderson keeps saying he's the best light heavyweight in the world. At one point, I would listen to that argument, especially because he had wins over Glover and, and Jan. 
Yuri obviously has seemed to take in that mantle as the best light heavyweight and most exciting light heavyweight in the world. But Vadim Nemkov, I thought for a long time, was looked pretty unstoppable in the Bellator cage. And then Corey Anderson was on his way to winning before some skullduggery in that fight. Uh, end of the fight. Was it no contest or was it a DQ? I don't remember the exact um, no contest. ruling. Yeah, so no contest. So I'm glad they're running it back. Uh, Corey Anderson should have a million dollars at this point and the Bellator light heavyweight champion around his belt. Uh, he doesn't seem to particularly care about the Bellator light heavyweight championship because he's all about making that money now. Good on you, Corey Anderson, especially now that you have kids and everything. Um, and then Patricky Pitbull has obviously been in the Bellator for a very long time. He's the brother of Patricio Pitbull and Uzman Nurmagomedov. Mike, you've interviewed that team, that Dagestan team, enough times you've interacted with that crew enough times. They all kind of say that Usman and Umar might be the two best after Islam. Uh, so it seems like a formality that Usman Nurmagomedov is going to get the Bellator championship, and which means that Habib will have coached both lightweight champions of the world in two different promotions. Also, Habib is now the team captain of Team Bellator of Bellator versus Ryzen. So how Bellator pulled that off is just baffling to me. Strange choice, but uh, the answer is very obviously the Bellator uh, card. That seems that just has much more fascinating fights to me, top to bottom. Jed, what say you? I disagree with the top to bottom aspect of it because a Bellator undercard is um, mm. Not strong. Let's just—it's a Bellator <laughs> undercard. Let's—I don't—I don't think I need to say much more beyond exactly what it is. If you're just looking at main card, absolute Bellator because all the reasons Jose said. Uh, we're gonna get two new champions because Corey Anderson's probably gonna beat Vadim Nemkov. <laughs> super gonna beat Tricky Pitbull, uh, and that's dope because Habib is a genius. This is—I don't. He retired undefeated, and now his two disciples are the lightweight champions of the two biggest orgs in the world. And this is this is like if Rocky Marciano just decided, I'm going to quit, and then I'm going to coach Floyd Patterson or whatever. It's just like unbelievable that w- what the hell is going on with with his legacy and just stacking on top of it despite not fighting anymore. Uh, and then Usman's going to be the new figurehead of Bellator because – uh, he's like 25, and he's super young. He's really good. He's going to beat the hell out of Patricky, and the lightweight division is not their strongest weight class. So, uh, And outside of that, I mean, Tyrell Fortune, you want to see if that dude keeps developing. The rest of that card is, is a tough hang. He's just really mid all the way through is the problem. The best fight on the UFC card. If you could merge these two together, you'd get one pretty good fight card. Like, pretty solid effort here with the two Bellator championship fights, maybe mixing a couple of their others. Give me Andre Fialho versus Muslim Salikov. Like, that fight's going to rule. But, yeah, you got to go Bellator just for the top end. But if you're going to make me watch the whole thing for both of them, I'm going to be pretty sad if I have to sit and watch 14 Bellator fights. So sticking with the Bellator card real quick. We have the two title fights. Jed, both challengers, heavy favorites, Corey Anderson, Usman Ramagomedov. And Usman is the fourth biggest favorite on the card, which on a UFC card doesn't mean a whole lot. On a Bellator card, it just speaks volumes and how the betting community sees him because typical Bellator undercards are 
a lot of minus 1100 favorites and, and things of that nature. You're confident both challengers will emerge victorious with titles, but which one of these two title fights actually interests you more? Oh, the, the main event, Nemkov Anderson, certainly. Cause the only reason I'm confident is cause I watched those two guys fight previously. And I went into that fight thinking that Nemkov was, ha, had a pretty clear advantage. And then, Fight was competitive in in spots, and then in the third round, Corey really took it to him. And maybe Vadim, uh, you know, uh, escaped with with his belt intact from that and went back to the lab, and he is better. Like it, it wouldn't stun me if he came and won this fight. Uh, and either way, it's it's going to be more competitive and more interesting uh, for however long it goes on. Usman Pitbull is one way traffic. Like that's unless we get a, a major upset that this fight is going one way. And so that's not as compelling to watch as the main event. Is, is there a, I haven't listened to a bet sparred yet. Is there a big bet coming on Usman or Magomedov? We considered an all in bet on him again, but then I was like, I don't <laughs> want to keep redoing that gimmick because I'm going to be making another all in bet in the not too distant future as well. So you know, uh, I, I, I'm firing a, a sizable wager down on him because he's going to win. But um, again, that's it's like the Wiley fight. Like, I didn't care. The Wiley, I had no nerves. I had minimal interest in it. Like, I'm interested because it matters, but I know what's happening. Like, I, I am aware of the outcome. We just have to get to that point in time. Jose, are you with Jed that the main event is the more intriguing fight for you, or are you looking more at the co-main event to see is Usman Nurmagomedov the dude at 155? I have literally zero preference on which one I have to watch, but for the sake of your show, Mike, I will say the co-main event is more interesting solely because uh, if the greatest of anything does anything, I want to watch it. Habib Nurmagomedov, a lot of people, including myself, consider him to be the greatest lightweight of all time. He told us how many years ago that Islam was going to be the champion of the world at some point, and that worked out real well. So if Habib tells me that Usman Magomedov is going to just tear through Patricky Pitbull, I'm going to want to watch it. Also, let's not forget Chris Gonzalez, the last guy he fought. I interviewed Chris Gonzalez once. I think it was before his Bellator debut, and he said Chris Gonzalez's phrase is like, the second I enter the cage, the argument for best wrestler in MMA ends. And I was like, well, I don't quite know about that, but I love your confidence. Then Usman Magomedov made light work out of him. So uh, I am very curious to see how Usman Magomedov fares against Patricky Pitbull. Patricky, how many fights does Patricky Pitbull have? Like 40, 30 something? It's a lot of experience in there. Do I pick him to win? No. But I want to see how Usman Magomedov fares against someone uh, of his cal- of his experience level. Because who did Benson beat? Benson. Henderson beat in his last fight is one someone else from that that team. Um, Mike, do you remember? Yeah, I know who it is because he ended up fighting uh, on you guys the Eagle FC out. card you, next. Is Peter Queeley oh, is his so, is, or Islam Mamadov? Mamadov. Islam Mamadov. That's, that's, that's probably that's the guy about. I'm thinking of. Uh, Mamadov. So Islam Mamadov was also part of that team, and everyone was like, oh. After the Brent Primus fight where Brent Primus just outgrappled Benson Henderson, uh, it's only a matter of time before someone from Habib's team does it too. 
didn't work out for him. So I'm curious to see if uh, Pachuki Pupol uses any of that fight to kind of bring into this fight to combat this Dagestani wrestling. I'm very, I am very in. I'll say I am in. I'm very intrigued by both, but for the sake of this game, I will pick the co-main event to debate Jet. All right. Well, let's debate something else. The point for round three goes to sick transition, Mike. <laughs> it goes to Jose Youngs. It's two to one. Let's debate something else. I just looked at the clock. The, I was like, we got to. The tagline for the gotta, show. Let's debate something else. No disrespect. Uh, it's just for the sake of time. So let's. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Let's head to Las Vegas. Let's head to UFC Vegas 65. Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak. The main event coming out of UFC 281. We're heading into a stretch Coming out of 281, we get a week off for the Thanksgiving break, and then it's on to UFC Orlando, which is a really good card. UFC 282, which is a pretty deep card. It's kind of a tough spot for this card to fall into, but the good news is we got some early day MMA, 1 p.m. Eastern prelims, 4 p.m. Eastern main card. We'll be wrapped and packed by this bad with this bad boy around 7. Love that. So, Jed, we'll start with you. What do you think of this card as a whole? for the follow-up to arguably the UFC's best events of the year. It's, it, it's a fight card. They, this is, they are filling their contractual obligations to ESPN to provide 42 events or 46 events, whatever it is per year. So they can get that sweet, sweet Disney money. Like I, I said this pre on another show. I hate fight cards the week after pay-per-views because they are always awful. And usually have so many storylines coming out of that event that like it would be okay to not have anything this week to just take a a little more time to digest what happened and not move right on to this that's where it is this card gets a huge bump by being at 1 p.m eastern just i the west coast people have to love this you get to wake up fights are on you're done before dinner uh ideal fight card placement as far as i'm concerned the main event is uh, you're never going to find me bitching too hard about Derek Lewis fighting. Um, so maybe something, some, someone's getting finished one way or another in the main event. And I lean towards Derek Lewis getting to do the damn thing. So that's kind of neat. Uh, Jack Della Maddalena, really cool guy. Love watching him fight. Uh, so that's cool. Kennedy. Inj- Inj- I can't ever say this man's name. Injikwu. Injikwu. Uh, yes. Yes. That. Let's go with that. Uh, I 
I like him a lot as a, I guess maybe not even a prospect to this point, just as a player, a guy who can continue developing, maybe make some noise in the light heavyweight division. But Mike, we're you're getting two heavyweight fights on a on a UFC main card. Like there's only so high that this thing can be rated in anyone's estimation. So yeah, it, it's if you had nothing else to do on Saturday, certainly worse ways to spend your time. Jose, what do you think of this card? I mean, listen, not a ton of stakes involved here, but if you look at each individual matchup in a vacuum, we're gonna have some fun fights. So your thoughts on this as the follow up? Oh, an eye roll. Uh-oh. Is what the only stake in this is is Derek Lewis still a top ten heavyweight? <laughs> like that's the only stake. Like Jack De- Jack Della Madalena is without question the most interesting fighter on this card in terms of his fighting. And he's the opening fight of the main card. Like, come on, man. Like Jennifer, hey. like Marina Morose. I was gonna say like, Marina Morose, least- Jennifer Meyer are ranked fighters, sir. <laughs> Yes, Marina Moroz is an interesting fighter. She doesn't fight a ton. She has very good boxing. Jennifer Maya has fought for the belt, and a lot of people kind of use her like, oh, you get a prospect on the up and up? Who's the Neil Magny of this division? Jennifer Maya, you're going to go fight so-and-so. That seems to be her role at this point. So, like, Vanessa Demopoulos is very popular nowadays. Vince Morales, Miles John will be a very fun fight. But in terms of stakes... Not a ton. How many fights has Derek Lewis lost in a row? Three, two. No, only know. one because he beat Chris Dawkins. So wasn't that? Well, the no, most he's, recent he's lost two in a row. Two in a row. He's lost two in a row and three of four. Then correct. Oh, Sergey Spivak has lost. Sergey yeah. Spivak just beat who? Greg Hardy was that his last win? Like, what do we? Did he win like one after right? that? Augusto Sakai, maybe. I don't know. Oh, he like, in these fact are like Augusto Sakai. Right, and Kenny and Jeku has what lost what two of three? Ian Kulaba or Iwan Kulaba's what two of three? These are losses, and when I say two of three, I'm saying two of three losses. Andre Fiala was really cool when he fought every other day, and then he just he got still is. This is fifth fight in 2022. Yeah, and it didn't work out for him in his last fight. That's why I'm saying stakes. There's not a lot of stakes on this card. There are are there fun fighters? Yes, no stakes on this card. So. If we're doing the AK Lee gymnastics score, 1 to 10, 1 being nothing, 10 being UFC 281, 2, maybe 3. Wow, I'm not, usually not. the one negging fight cards. I can't believe this. Fiona oh. Salikov is a fight for like top 20, let's say top 20 welterweight. Does so, that feel yeah. right, Mike? Two welterweights coming off a TK, coming top off a TKO loss. Sick. Love it. Top 25 welterweights coming off TKO losses. Love everything about it. Like, ah, doesn't really do much for me. Who, who, what's Chase Sherman's last win? Jared Vandera. Am I, am I remembering correctly? How many losses well, Jared Vandera had in a row? So, so we're clear. Waldo Cortez Acosta's last win is also Jared Vandera. <laughs> Cool, cool, just, and one, so clear, one finished Jared sweep, Vandera. One this is didn't. The, also, this is not the for nothing for who beat Jared Vandera better. Not for nothing. I like Vanessa Demopoulos, she's a very nice woman, very bubbly personality. She lives here in Arizona, fun, fun grappling. She definitely lost to Jin Yu Fry. Like, I watched that fight, I scored it for Jin Yu Fry. And if you're losing to Jin Yu Fry in 2022, like, come on, <laughs> I love you too, Jin Yu Fry. But like, you might not 
be in the UFC after your last performance. So on a scale of one to 10, I'm saying two to three, somewhere in there. Not the best. Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak is a really good pay-per-view opener. Everything else under this is a really good prelim card. <laughs> so that's all. That's all I'd phrase this. Well, let's touch on the main event before we move on. Derek Lewis, Sergey Spivak. On paper, from a rankings perspective, I guess, Jose, this makes sense. But when you actually see the sure. poster and headlines, it's kind of a head scratcher in some ways. Like, this is the where we've ended went, up. For, but... whatever re- for whatever reason, someone made them Siamese twins. <laughs> it's classic UFC posterizing right it's there. But movie. Derek Lewis. Movie. Yeah, so would I. Derek Lewis is a uh, a pretty sizable underdog in this fight. This would obviously be a big name for Sergey Spivak to have on his resume. But like you said, Lewis coming in, finished in two straight, three of his last four. Is this do or die for the Black Beast? Is this for me? Sorry, yeah, you guys cut you. off for a second. Oh, sorry, you guys cut off for a second. Uh, is this do or die for the Black Beast? I think win or lose... Whatever whatever Derek Lewis does is going to be up to him because the UFC's really like and specifically Dana White and more importantly the fans really like Derek Lewis. Also, the UFC really likes to headline cards with like heavyweights ranked fifteen to seven. So I'm going to assume that Derek Lewis sticks around, win or lose. But if he loses and he doesn't want to fight anymore, that's going to be on him. I don't think the UFC is going to want to cut ties with Derek Lewis. He's fun. He's exciting. He's a good headliner. You can always throw him on a Texas card. Will he fight in Texas ever again? Probably not. Um, but no, I don't I don't think this is do or die for Derek Lewis unless he wants to call it a career. Jed, agree with that? Or is he just kind of beyond wins and losses at this point? doesn't really matter. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't matter. If the UFC is never going to fire this dude, um, one, he's a heavyweight, and the aforementioned Jared Vanderop hung around for. I'm not even sure he's fired yet, and he hasn't won in like a decade. So you can hang around for heavy at heavyweight forever. And Derek Lewis is beloved, so he really can fight here as long as he ever wants to fight. And you, dude, just match him up against like Andre Arlovsky. That's a that's a pay-per-view main event, not not a pay-per-view main event, but a fight night main event or a pay-per-view main card fight. You know, like it's you can do a ton of things with him. We still never got him versus Yairzinho Rosenstrike, which boggles my mind. I also think it doesn't matter. Things are gonna beat Sergey Spivak, so it's all yeah. kind of moot. But yeah, I, even if he somehow loses to Spivak, I it's not gonna matter at all for him. All right, well. Enjoy the card on Saturday, some early day MMA. The point for round four goes to. It goes to Jed Mishu. It's two to two. So now we head to the knockout round. A, a surprising thing has just happened. We've gone through regulation and a tie. This has never happened in the history of the show. Shocking, shocking moments here. Um, so we're going to go to the knockout round. One question will decide it all. Both are going to get the same question. They'll each have one minute to answer. Once that is done, we will turn it over to you watching the show right now. You can vote in the poll on who you think wins this exhibition matchup between Jed Mishu and Jose Youngs. Now, this is... Uh, I had an idea of where this question was going to go probably on Saturday because we got the announcement of Volkanovski versus Makachev or Makachev versus Volkanovski for the lightweight title. 
And then we got the news that Josh Emmett is fighting Yaya Rodriguez for the interim featherweight title in the same card. But then something else happened this week, and this was the no-brainer knockout no round question. So, Jed, week. Jed, we will go to you. Do you want to go first, or do you want to pass it on to Jose? What... Because oh, this I'll is... go first. I'm just trying to think what else happened this week. <laughs> well, listen, we we have we have touched on very briefly. We touched on one. We talked UFC. We talked Bellator. But there's another player don't, who has made the news, and that is the Professional Fighters League. Because oh, no. next Friday, they will be putting on their world championship event, their seven fight main card, which includes six title fights, six potential five round fights, will be on ESPN Plus oh. pay-per-view. And for weeks, we were wondering what the price point would be. People were throwing out, maybe oh. it's $9.99, maybe it's $19.99, no more than $24.99, right? PFL says, raise. $49.99 will be the price tag for their world championship pay-per-view next Friday. One minute on the clock. Your reaction to this decision-making, this price point for this particular card. Your time starts now. What in God's name are you doing? This is... I think it is questionable to have a pay-per-view event at all because give your you you're not popular enough. Just give your product out for free. That's how you do it. You get people hooked with the free sample and then you start charging them when they actually care. People don't care about PFL. You could fire this thing onto ESPN that Friday or whatever when nothing else is going on to actual mainline ESPN and try and rope people in. Instead, no one is going to buy this thing. Like, if this clears 20,000 pay-per-view buys, I will be personally shocked because I wouldn't buy this as a fan of MMA because I'm not going to pay money to watch Ante Delaja fight Mateo Sheffel for a million dollars because that's insane. I will also add, it's a little weird that Kayla Harrison is headlining this, not because it's weird that she's headlining it, but because once she sells 10,000 pay-per-view buys, all of her leverage for Chris Cyborg cross-promotional pay-per-view goes out the friggin' window. This is terrible. All right, Jed, very positive about this pay-per-view <laughs> and the price point. Uh, let's go to Jose. Maybe he will mimic the positivity. Who knows? Jose is... Uh, He's been up and down today, throwing out two to three on a UFC rating for a fight night card. So he's the wild card here. Same question for you. $49.99, Jose. Are you getting your wallet out? Your time starts now. I mean, it's a little baffling that it's $49.99. I would have just pulled out some like, just make it $69 because then everyone will just make memes about it. And then word of mouth spreads on social media that PFL <laughs> is selling a pay-per-view for $69. Or you can pay $4.20 to watch one fight. I'll pay $4.20 to watch just Kayla Harrison fight. And then that's also funny because our humor is that of a 14-year-old because we're MMA fans and we haven't mentally matured past 13 years old. We all think fart jokes are funny too. I'm doing things for you, PFL. That's what it should have been. So anyway, will I do $49.99? Probably not. Will it sell more than the the, the Fedor, Matt Mitrione, Chael Sutton, Vandalay Silva pay-per-view? I think that did somewhere between about 90 and 110,000 pay-per-view buys, which according to Jed, Fedor is the greatest fighter to never hold you undisputed UFC gold. He's in the co-main event and he couldn't even do like 200,000 buys. So... Make it $69 or $4.20 for one fight. 
That's, I mean, that's an interesting option. Just you could do partial payments for, for just singular fights. Interesting. An interesting take. That would be truly incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Zero people, zero people would buy the Ante Delage and Mateo Shuffle fight. Zero people. It's a good way to test who the draws are in, in, in Boom, this company. Amari Mar- Akhmedov, Rob Wilkinson, get GTFO, baby. Not spending <laughs> 420 on that. If you had to that spend fight. $4.20 on one of these fights, one championship fight, I'll say, which one are you buying? It's It's got to be Stevie Ray OAM, I guess. I that's mean, like, Blair Lockett um, and Bubba Jenkins is going to be a scrap. Yeah, that's probably, that's yeah, I'd probably go with, with that one. But or do you just want maybe to it's a Kayla fight just for the promo to watch? You want to pay four dollars and twenty cents to watch Kayla Harrison eat a human being, uh, or go to a decision uh, with her again? True. I'm I'm a huge fan of that particular fight, so I'd probably watch it mainly because Kayla is not nearly the favorite she should be, <laughs> given given yeah, the yeah. fact that she's already beaten this woman twice soundly. I just want to hear what she's going to say after the fact if she does win. So that might be worth the 420 right there. So, all right, vote, 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 as it says right there. Uh, is it Jed Mishu? Is it Jose Youngs? It's an exhibition match, so it doesn't truly matter. But uh, Delano programming Taylor, note. Not a Busai. That's going to be uh, fun. That'll be a fun fight, though. Sure. That'll be fun. Are, are they in the top <laughs> 50 welterweights in the world? I don't know. $4.20, and you'll find out. So cast your votes tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do another heck of a morning. We'll have a preview show tomorrow for UFC Vegas 65, probably around 3 p.m. Eastern. We'll have your Bellator 288 coverage. People's pre-fight show for Vegas 65, Saturday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. Love that. Post-fight show. I think AK and I are actually going to record on to the next one on Saturday night as well because we'll have all this extra time on our hands. And... Then Can we I get also ready mention, for, yes, I'm, I'm now deep in the well here. This is a 12 fight card. Yeah. Seven of them are championship bouts, which means they <laughs> could go five rounds. Why are there other fights on this card? What in the name of God? Like, I know Kayla's going to get, hopefully gets a finish, but if all of these go five fives, like, I guess at least you're getting time for money for your 50 bucks. Cause shit, PFL man. Needs, would you pay 59, 49.99 to watch a PFL card if they took all the stats off the screen? No, the stats are the best part because it's incredibly oh, okay. stupid and funny. Oh, okay. I would stupid. pay 49.99. The smart cage. Smart. The smart cage is my favorite thing about the PFL. I would pay 49.99. The smartest If at the end of it. They went up to every champion and they're like, we'll triple, we'll give you $3 million, but you have to enter a battle royale against all the other champions. That would be the awesome. the loser gets $3 million, including Kayla Harrison. Dude, and then there, is, Harrison there is an amateur like, MMA wow. fight opening this card up. There is yeah, somebody man. named Dakota Decheva <laughs> fighting Catherine. Car- Why are those fights there? What um, is Dakota, going wait, on? There's an amateur fight on this card? There I, is. A th- I could have been on this PFL card. You could have. Why did it? Not- <laughs> oh, man. I genuinely hope all six of these things go the full 25 and PFL <laughs> ends at like five in the morning. Just absolute lunacy. Oh, man. Well, hey, who knows? Maybe this card will be 
UFC 281-esque, and it'll just be chaos and gnarly and all sorts of craziness will happen. But so then that, we'll try that to maintain question, some positivity. If a tree falls down in the forest and no one's around to hear it, does it make a noise? I still predict that PFL is going to come out and say, you know what? You're the best fans in the world. We're going to give this yeah. to you for five bucks or something. They're, and they're I think that's, turn that's this a great idea. But if, you, if you're going to do that, at least set the price point at 100 So everybody's talking about how insane the 100 thing is. And then you're giving it $100 for free. It's like, hey, look how great we are. Here's a $100 bill. It's $1 million to buy the pay-per-view. And then go, you know what? We love the fans. <laughs> It's Only forty nine ninety nine. What a deal! You just saved like nine hundred thousand dollars overnight. Right, you're making money by spending fifty bucks on this pay per view. I wrote so I did the graphic for this. What do you like? When I made the graphic, we're so mean right media, now. <laughs> announcing the price point. The only other, the only thing that had more comments was Israel's response to Mark Goddard. I mean, that, after that, like, I'm not surprised. The price sense. point for PFL pay per view was like was astronomically what, what, higher. Was it a, was it a lot of people commenting? Can't wait to buy this one. Was that <laughs> were those the comments you were getting? People going, "Wow, less than yeah. fifty dollars." I don't have to. I don't have to spend sixty nine ninety nine for the. They say they were all. They were all, honey. Sorry, I can't get you a Christmas present. I'm buying the PFL pay per view. <laughs> Well, we'll see how it goes. I, I don't think I've ever been more intrigued about the possibility. I love you, you PFL. You know what? We're, not about the, we're not talking about the timing either because I bet more people would have bought this, but then Taylor Swift put her tickets on sale. Yeah, it's tough. And everybody yeah. decided to go to that, Taylor that really, Swift instead. Those like, fees get you, man. bad those, those fees, like, yeah. I could hey. I could buy the PFL pay-per-view or I could go watch Taylor Swift live. Crap. I guess I'm gonna go. Yeah, but maybe they gained an advantage since Ticketmaster like collapsed and you couldn't buy T Swift. Maybe they were all like, well, since this is broken, let me just shuffle on over to ESPN Plus, lock in my pay per view buy right now. That's a good point. That's a good point. There you go. Sandwiched in between two UFC cards, and then we get Fight Circus with their big announcement. Hell yeah. Coming up with another Uh, event in December, and it's free, I believe. It's free. So they're doing it right. So, Casey, do we have a... What's what's the tagline for the new fight circus? Was it... Uh, Oh, give me Hanukkah gone wrongica. Yeah. Uh, A tribute to Scrooge. (laughs) Hanukkah gone Oh, my gosh. Best promotion in the game, baby. Easily. Oh, you know what? (laughs) God. (laughs) um do we have a winner casey do we have a winner sure it's the pfl (laughs) the pfl's the winner for sure (laughs) all this free promo work your winner today with 56 percent of the votes is jed mishu Mm-hmm. Man, Exhibition Jed is a whole different animal. I don't even care. I'm just mythical at this creature. Fight circuits poster, and it's awesome. There you go. Uh, so, congratulations, Jed, or I guess fake congratulations. This wasn't yeah. a real thing, but uh, what would you like to say? I'd like to say that if you haven't been watching Fight Circus, despite the fact that I've been telling you for literal years at this point. They've got another one. They just finished four Sin Lawyers, Guns, and Money, which was a train wreck, but still delightful because it always is. Fight Circus 5 announced today 
as we mentioned, Hanukkah gone wrong, Ronica, an homage to Scrooge, December 17th. It'll be on Fight TV. Since it just got announced, I don't know what's going to be on there. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of wacky stuff. Since it's an homage to Scrooge, we're probably going to get like a ghost of future, past, present, etc. <laughs> fights going on. Past. Yeah, who who can say? Could be anything. It's Fight Circus, so tune in. It's going to be the best. I'm very very excited about it. Hanukkah That's all gone, Veronica. <laughs> oh, what are the twelve? Sort of oh, I'm dream. sorry. There's more. There are twelve fights of Christmas. We've got, of course, an MMA symmetrical Bro, fight. If they don't do a fight involving everything in the Twelve Nights of Christmas song, then I what mean, are we doing? We've got a I Christmas six, karaoke battle. I need six drummers drumming around the cage, <laughs> for sure. Why not? Sounds like a great idea. Rings. Five golden rings at the top that they have to collect in order to win. Sign me up. Oh, man. So much the possibilities. That's actually a really good fight idea. You have to go. Man, that should have been that should have been the knockaround question. How do we how do we do these twelve fights at Christmas? But stay tuned next week. Actually, no show next week. uh, I don't think because it'll be Thanksgiving. I was going to say it seems bold for us to be doing this on Thursday next week. But okay, Uh, we'll not be doing it on Thursday next week. But we'll we'll figure something out. Maybe we'll just do like a Jed talks kind of thing and no game. But Casey, you can hit the exit music. We are done. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it very much. Enjoy all the fights this weekend. Maybe we'll be back next week. Who the hell knows? We'll definitely be back in two weeks ahead of UFC Orlando for Jed Bashu, for Jose Youngs, Casey on the ones and twos. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn takes you home. I am Mike Heck. We'll see you next time on Between the Links. Good night, everyone. This has been Between the Links, an MMA fighting production on the Vox Media Network. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.